Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Eco Chamber. We're bringing you this extra episode because we've just released Ends Report's very first documentary. It's called Seven, The Poisoning of Britain's Amazon. It deals with the pollution problems facing this iconic river and looks at how it's been allowed to happen. So in the film, we talk to environment agency whistleblowers, experts and people who live by and work with the river who give their testimonies as to how it's been allowed to deteriorate, as well as the sad consequences for people and for wildlife. There are some really important messages in the film, so we thought it would be a good idea to bring you the documentary in podcast form. So first up, let's hear from Martin Morgan. He's a Leibnet fisherman on the River Severn. The Severn estuary has changed over my lifetime. Uh, I've fished down on the estuary for well over 50 years now, half a century. What I am seeing out there is not what I saw when I was a boy. The inshore waters, where there's not a great run of current, is a dead zone, right the way along. There's no crabs out there, there's no small flatfish. And it really seems dead to me. And uh, I don't know the reason for it, I really don't. But there's certainly an issue out there about there being no life in the areas that are not scoured by the tide so much, you know, the, the slow flowing areas at low tide. And when I was a kid, I used to walk out there and there'd be thousands of crabs, hundreds and hundreds of small flatfish. And that is, is not there anymore. But what you will see is sewage related items out there. You will see plenty of that and plenty of plastic. Um, and the one day I was out there and counted 60 items of sanitary ware and I could have gone on and they could have been 600 for all I know. Uh, very often I'm walking out in the Severn Estuary at low tide. Um, I may be fishing, may not be fishing. Um, I spend quite a bit of time out there observing what's happening. So if you can imagine walking offshore about a quarter of a mile and all of a sudden you're starting to see this sanitary ware and you know panty pads and all sorts of things uh, Turex, you know, it's, it's disgusting what you're seeing out there. And this is generally after it rains. And I can only imagine that this has been discharged into the rivers, the Usk, the Severn, the Avon and the Wye, and ending up in the estuary. Um, I also fish with a rod and line uh, throughout the year. And where I fish is three to four miles wide. And sometimes, again, usually after rain, uh, the lines come in and they pick up plastic and sanitary wear. And it's quite disgusting, really. It really puts you off, you know, you know, should you be eating the fish, you know, when you're seeing this amount of sewage-related items and plastic on uh, your fishing lines. The estuary, as I say, three or four miles wide, how much of it is going up and down that estuary in the tide? You know, there must be tons and tons and tons out there. And, you know, I think, personally, it's a disgrace this day and age to be discharging raw sewage, sanitary way into the seven estuary. Ash Smith, founder of the Windrush Against Sewage Pollution Group, is not happy with the state of affairs. That should not be part of, of our environment. This is 21st century. The water industry has been privatised for over 30 years with the aim of bringing us up to a, a high standard. And in fact, we've gone completely the other way. And we're now becoming reliant on the lowest common denominator. What is the worst that people will accept? And, and a lot of that has been achieved by not telling people. In fact, I would say actively hiding it from them over many years until a bunch of campaigners like ourselves, like Surfers Against Sewage, have, have got the message out there 
and most people at the beginning of this, when we started this, they looked at me as if I was slightly mad when I suggested that untreated sewage was being dumped into our rivers. Won't the water industry sue you for saying that? And now we've established not only are they doing that, they're doing it extensively and illegally. Hugo Tagholm is the chief executive of the campaign group Surfers Against Sewage. Such a sad state of affairs that people, over half the people surveyed in this country, were too scared of getting into our blue space, into our rivers or coastline because of the fear of pollution. Well, Surface Against Sewage has long challenged the water industry to improve its record and the way it's treating our blue spaces, our coastlines and our rivers. And let's not forget that the water industry is, is really a privatised collection of regional monopolies. They're making vast profits year in, year out, but they're also responsible for a huge amount of pollution. Millions of hours of sewage pollution are going into our rivers and our coastline each and every year. Hundreds of thousands of separate sewage pollution events in the sort of places that people love to use for health and well-being, for their recreation, places that should be protected from these companies. And so for us, the water industry should be held accountable. They should be investing much more in protecting and restoring the blue water environment around the country, not just for people to use, but to ensure that wildlife can thrive again. We have hundreds of reports through our Safer Seas and Rivers service every year of ill health after people have been surfing, swimming, enjoying the beach environment. And so we're compiling a, a data set of where and when this is happening. And all too often it corresponds with when there's been a sewage discharge from a water company sewer pipe. People shouldn't be subject or exposed to sewage pollution, agricultural pollution, the sorts of things that can make them sick when they're going into the water. They can take all sorts of nasty toxic chemicals along with their experience, nasty pathogens from this pollution. And so we want to fight for a world where people can enjoy these spaces safely with their friends, with their family, and that uh, creating space where big business isn't running roughshod over the environment that is for us all. Someone who knows about this all too well is David Devaney. He's a lifeboat helmsman on the Seven, and he's experienced these problems firsthand. I sat boat upright. I felt a, a cold breeze had went down my, my face and chest and I just projectile vomited everywhere. And as I projectile vomited from one end, the other end opened also. So there was diarrhea all over the, the bed covers. And unfortunately for my partner and the cat, they were covered in both. Uh, I got this bug uh, from training in the, the water of the River Severn. The bug is Giardesis, uh, which is a live parasitic bug that affects the intestines and stomach, and it's found in raw sewage and makes you feel very, very unwell. The Giardia is a notifiable illness, so Public Health Wales, Public Health England, Natural Resources Wales and the English equivalent were all notified uh, by the, the GP because she had to by law. They sampled water, they also ran further tests on my samples and they concluded that there was a 90% probability that what I caught was from human waste and not animal waste 
the GP said it was from a 90% probability of being ingested, inhaled or absorbed while conducting training that, that Sunday morning. They worked it out that there was because of the recent high tides and the heavy rainfall that we had had, that the wash off or wash over spill from the, the, the pump out would have been in the seven. I would say it took me about six months to get back to a reasonable level of fitness and reasonable, not confidence of the, the water, but having full ability to do my full role here at Sarah. I was tentative when I came back. I knew that I didn't have the physical capacity to lift a body or person from the water back into the boat. It's made me open my eyes to where I conduct training courses for the other volunteers and members of the public. The River Severn suffers from pollution from sewage, but also pollution from agriculture. Rivers Trust Chief Executive Mark Lloyd says regulators should be providing the solution. So the Severn is an extraordinary river. I mean, it's our longest river, but it's also pretty typical of UK rivers. It suffers from most of the usual problems. It suffers from sewage pollution, yes, but the majority of problems are related to the way you manage the land. It's not the way you manage the river, it's the land that drains into the river. So really it's about a lot of individual decisions that are made because of a, a, a farming system which drives people to farm the land quite intensively, to spread a lot of nutrients on the land like slurry and sewage sludge and fertilizers, which then get washed into the river and cause it to be over-nutrified. That sounds like a good thing, but actually too much nutrient is bad for the wildlife in the river. It, it can poison the wildlife and it also chokes up the river with, with algae and, uh, and kills off a lot of the species which make these fantastic ecosystems. So too much nutrient is bad and we're spreading a lot of it on the land, but we're also managing the soils really badly. The regulators have a really important role to play. Only the regulators can regulate. And the one thing that we really want the Environment Agency and Natural Resources Wales to do is to play that regulatory role fully and to prosecute people who are polluting rivers, whether that be farmers or water companies or industry. And that's a really important role to play to complement all the good work that's going on to restore habitats both in the river and in the wider catchment. It seems that the environmental regulators are not doing a good job. From the evidence we've had from whistleblowers who work at places like the Environment Agency and from seeing internal documents, it looks as though they're pulling back from their regulatory role in terms of cracking down on polluters. Here I've got a testimony from one of the Environment Agency whistleblowers and I'm just going to pull out a couple of key things. One of the things this person is saying is that they're not able to regulate polluters anymore even though they want to. I'll just read out a couple of statements. They're not able to do it because the leadership is burying prosecutions or frustrating the regulatory process in general, this person says. I have had enforcement actions withdrawn by senior figures behind my back. I have had prosecution case files shelled for no good reason. And I have been ordered to stop investigations. And this person says that other officers have had similar experiences. Here's another one. In terms of the Environment Agency's monitoring of rivers and water quality in general, this person says, the Environment Agency leadership took the decision several years ago to cut their water quality monitoring points in half. And finally, this person says the future is bleak. As promising as it is that water quality now seems to be getting publicity and support, 
This is despite the environment agency leadership rather than a result of it. Attempts to get the industry to regulate itself have not helped, according to Ash. In about 2009, somebody thought it would be a good idea if the water industry did its own monitoring. Guess what? They did think that was a good idea themselves as well. And, and actually many people know that one of the great downturns in the environment started around about then. And we see now that the water industry will have to do things like report when it pollutes. And it doesn't do that all the time, but it's trying to improve the, the numbers of times that it does report that. But when it does report itself, it can then give the information to the environment agency about the categorization of the pollution incident. They categorize as one as most serious to the second and third is of minor environmental impact. And at level three, the environment agency won't even attend. So guess which level gets reported most? And guess which level actually isn't always the, the, the case? You know, which person in the water industry is going to be really popular for their boss by calling in a, an incident and then making sure that the environment agency come out and prosecute them and give them about a 10 million pound fine? How is that going to go in the old annual appraisal, do we think? Surfers Against Sewage's Hugo Tagholm is also not a fan of water industry self-regulation. The water industry shouldn't be self-monitoring and self-regulating on this issue. If, if we look back to the 1990s, it was really sweeping bits of quite robust European legislation that forced a newly privatised water industry to invest in new sewage infrastructure and cleaning up our coastline and delivering better bathing water. Surface Against Sewage had a big part in that. And so we don't want to be entering a phase now when it's all about uh, voluntary measures, self-regulation and those types of things. This should have a, a decade where we see a, a sort of unified level playing field that forces water companies to make the right investments, not just in infrastructure, but in nature-based solutions, planting trees, rewilding our rivers, making sure we're taking water pressures off our sewer system. And they should be held to account by that, by tough regulation, the Environment Agency, Ofwat, who are the financial regulators, and the new Office for Environmental Protection that's recently been set up to hold the government to account. Now, we need to see tough legislation and tough regulation to get to a place when our rivers are thriving and our coastline has the best bathing waters in the country, in the world indeed. In addition to the self-monitoring issues, the water industry's business model can make matters worse too. Twice I've heard senior water industry executives say that their business model is based on something called sweating the assets. That means cutting corners, not fixing things that need to be fixed and just saving money because the more money they can save and not spend on the environment and in improvements, that's left over for dividends and for big bonuses. And these are massive bonuses that people are getting for running monopoly companies. How is that model ever going to succeed in delivering a secure environmental protection and a good service for the customer and for the public. If we don't tip that over completely and make the, the forces of finance work for those people, for us and the environment, we will never succeed. The young people will never see a clean river and will be destined to, to suffer this pollution. And it doesn't have to be like that. It can be very easily changed. It's just a matter of will and addressing the truth. If you can stop pollution being profitable, you will solve the problem. If you keep pollution profitable, you will never solve the problem. It is that simple. So what do the regulators and politicians have to say? Here's James Bevan. He's Chief Executive of the Environment Agency and in this clip, he's speaking to the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee in 2021. 
think um, if I had to use one word about the state of our rivers, it would be um, flatlining. Um, they're in much better condition than they were in many respects uh, several decades ago. Um, but the situation is not nearly as good as it should be. Um, uh, the latest assessment that we've done uh, of all of the water bodies uh, in England shows that uh, rivers, uh, only 14% of those rivers are meeting uh, the criteria for good ecological status. If you look at chemical status, which is the uh, concentrations of specific things like arsenic and iron in water, the last results that we did show that no uh, zero uh, surface water bodies in England met good chemical status. And uh, that actually is a significant drop from uh, the last few years due to a different way in which the EA is, uh, is uh, assessing uh, and giving a more accurate picture. So it's a mixed picture. Uh, why is it happening? I think uh, it is happening partly because of growing pressure on the water environment. So development, uh, a growing population, climate change. It's happening because the two main polluters, uh, the water and the farming sectors, uh, are not yet, in my view, doing enough to protect and enhance the environment. And it's also happening partly, um, I'm sure we'll get onto this, um, because the Environment Agency, for all the good work that I do think we've done, uh, has some very limited resources now with which to uh, regulate those, uh, those sectors as robustly as we would like. I do need to emphasize that we, uh, our resources have gone down quite significantly uh, in the last 10 years in terms of our ability to tackle water quality. I mean, if you want to figure um, the grant that we got uh, in 2010, which funded all the Environment Agency's uh, environmental work, which includes uh, much of what we do on water, uh, was 120 million um, in 2010. Uh, last year, it was 40.40 million. George Eustace was Environment Secretary from February 2020 until the government changed earlier this month. Here he is talking to ITN. And when it comes to water quality, as I said, uh, we are also acting. This government is the first government ever to give a clear instruction to Ofwat that we want investment to see a reduction in the use of these um, storm overflows. No government in recent decades has, uh, has acted uh, on this matter. This has been a problem that's been around since Victorian times. Uh, this is infrastructure linked uh, to the drainage systems that the Victorians uh, built. It's costly to put it right. Uh, but we are the first government that's actually grappling with this properly, the first government uh, to make it a, a clear policy objective for Ofwat, and the first government to bring forward a raft of new measures requiring additional monitoring, additional plans, uh, and a report on how we could phase these uh, storm overflows out altogether. We've been very clear that we want to see a reduction in these storm overflows uh, over the next uh, five-year period of the water uh, pricing plan. Um, that will need to be funded and that will lead to some increases in, in water bills to fund that. But the, the big figures that we've seen as estimates ranging from 150 billion to 600 billion pounds, that is the cost of eliminating these altogether. Now, some people are calling for the total elimination of these. We need to do the detailed work first to understand the feasibility of doing that. But but what we can definitely do uh, is start on some of them, start to reduce the impacts of them, start to reduce uh, our reliance on them, and we'll be doing that in the next few years. Across England in 2021, water companies dumped untreated sewage into England's rivers and seas 372,544 times for more than 2.6 million hours. And those are just the discharges we know about. Many, many more will have gone unnoticed and unreported. Across the whole Severn Basin, there were 20,191 dumps, and those are just the ones we know about. Again, many will have gone unnoticed. And these are huge numbers, and these will just be the tip of the iceberg. Water companies are actually allowed to dump raw sewage into rivers during periods of heavy rainfall, as long as they're treating a stipulated amount of sewage already. 
But recent analysis has found that the practice has been occurring regularly during other times, according to Ash. So Windrush Against Sewage Pollution does a lot with data analysis. And we do that because one of our members, Professor Peter Hammond, is an extremely talented analyst. And he discovered that there was a huge amount of illegal pollution going on, either through not treating enough sewage by the water industry or by spilling it in dry conditions. Now, eventually, the Environment Agency launched an investigation and is saying that it's because the water industry has come to it and pretty much asked it to investigate it. Now, that's stretching the credibility for us because he's basically already told them the answer to that. There is a massive amount of untreated illegal sewage pollution going on and they are investigating it, but what that, what that actually means in real life, uh, we, we wait to see what that is. Now, in, in a different situation, we also pointed out to them that in 2018, in May 2018, the Environment Agency itself issued guidance to identify failing storm overflows and to rectify them generally within three years. Now, if that had happened, that was 2018, we wouldn't be having this conversation because it would have all been sorted out. But the water industry decided to ignore that. And the worst thing is the regulators decided to ignore that the water industry was ignoring it and they've just let it slide. They then fell back on something called the storm overflow assessment framework, which is meant to assess and find ways to rectify failing storm overflows. Generally those that spill more than 60 times in a year. Well, you might think 60 times is a ridiculously high level to put, but that's what they chose. Now, in the roughly four years since that was introduced, that has achieved precisely no improvements whatsoever. And I've established that from the Environment Agency itself. Now that, I think, shows the dreadful, dreadful neglect of duty of our regulators to address an emergency. And in fact, they're making that emergency worse and worse because it's progressively growing rather than being compressed back to a safe level. Hugo Tagholm wants people to be able to enjoy their blue spaces. Water companies shouldn't be polluting our blue spaces in this sort of regularity. This is millions of hours every year that are being pumped into our, our blue spaces, into our rivers and coastline. And clearly there's, there's a problem with the regulation and the laws that should stop them from doing this. Uh, the enforcement of those laws should be much tougher. The Water Industry Act of 1991, which of course is, is not in everyone's sort of day-to-day -day thinking, stipulates that water companies should only be using their sewer overflows in exceptional weather conditions and circumstances. But clearly that's not happening. Hundreds of thousands of separate sewage pollution events last year, over 350,000 times that these water companies used their, their sewer pipes. Um, and that's not good enough. We've been speaking to a number of environment agency whistleblowers who are taking a risk by speaking to us because all agency staff have been told that they face the sack for speaking to the media. In the next clip, the voice has been disguised. Water companies have not invested what they need to invest to make their infrastructure fit for purposes. Population has grown. It's clearly much cheaper for them to pollute and to get away with it because they have largely gotten away with it. Um, 
you distress it. Nobody, nobody goes out. It gets classified very quickly as a, as a low priority, and people don't go out. And those smaller pollution events or, or events that often get reported as big, quite small, quite often tended to the larger ones because nobody's been out to see it. You don't get to stop it in, in, in permanent terms into much more significant ones. We don't have the resources to do it, we don't have the people on the ground to do it properly. We have the legislation, but we don't have the people to enforce the legislation. And of course, we don't have the, um, with the cutting monitoring, we don't have the data to make sensible decisions. Another whistleblower is Rob Rees, and he's going to let us know what life has been like at the agency. I worked there for nearly nearly 10 years, so I started in the autumn of 2012 and resigned earlier this year. I was a, a, a catchment coordinator at one level. We were saying we are the regulator and we have powers associated with being the regulator. Um, yeah, we had the regulations, but as a regulator, we were failing. The frustration was, I think we didn't actually need any more tools. We just needed to use them. When it came to using them, we often got to the stage where we were saying one thing, but unable to do it because we didn't actually have the people power, the person power to go out to people. So if we were working with a private sector, with public sector organizations and agencies, uh, encouraging them to join the fight, it became clear that uh, we were not playing our part in that fight. Um, so it became very difficult to to represent at one level the, the environment agency and to play our part and pretty well impossible to influence some of that work. The short answer, what are we doing about agricultural diffuse pollution? The very quick answer, whether it be from the environment agency or indeed on occasions from DEFRA, was we have refreshed and we have something called the new rules for farming, full stop. It didn't go on to say, but of course, we're not really able, because of resources, because of skills, because of lack of training, whatever it might be, we're not able to implement it in the way that we would like. It's only in relatively recent times, and I, I mean perhaps even just two years, that the you get the environment you pay for line has emerged. The Environment Agency's budget for environment work has been aggressively slashed in recent years, but in the last spending review it received an increase. It said it's going to use the money to step up its efforts to improve water quality, but added that the cost of what we do and the number of tasks we are required to perform has risen much faster than its budget. It said it's having to make difficult choices, including to reduce or stop activities for which it is not funded. It said, we are not funded to respond to all environmental incidents, so we need to focus on those that pose significant risk to people or wildlife. We will, however, increase our regulatory activity to seek to prevent such incidents happening in the first place. The Severn is not the only river suffering from sewage overload, says Mark Lloyd. I mean, the Severn, as our longest river, is a big challenge to get sorted out. But if we can get the Severn sorted out, then we can do the same for all of the other rivers in this country, which are facing exactly the same problems. Uh, and this is so important for the recovery and the health of our, of our nation that we get our rivers back to good health. But according to Leibniz fisherman Martin Morgan, attitudes need to change to make this happen. Well, if I was speaking to the executives of, of the water companies, uh, you know, I, I would... They obviously think it's acceptable. Otherwise, they wouldn't be taking the money. 
what would you if you thought it was unacceptable how could you do that job so they it's pointless me really saying anything to them because they think it's acceptable they're taking the, the coin and you know i couldn't sleep at night personally but um perhaps they don't fish down on the seven estuary swim in the river why the river ask you know how they sleep at night i don't know i couldn't take the money knowing that that amount of sewerage and rubbish is being dumped in the rivers and that is affecting the quality of life for people that use the rivers and the estuary so but you know my words would be wasted on them because they obviously think it's fine Lots of organisations didn't want to get involved in the documentary, but they did send us some statements. The National Farmers Union said that farming had made a 75% reduction in serious pollution incidents year-on-year compared to 2000, and that it's invested in initiatives to further reduce that pollution. Industry Body Water UK said companies have increased investment in storm overflows, which now stand at around £3.2 billion between 2020 and 2025, and that this is part of a £5 billion investment going into the environment as a whole. However, in its latest assessment, the Environment Agency said the water sector's performance on pollution was shocking and much worse than previous years. It said that over the years, the public has seen the water company executives and the investors rewarded handsomely, while the environment pays the price. These are the environment agency's words. They went on to say that water companies are behaving like this for the simple reason, because they can, and that the agency now intends to make it too painful for them to continue as they are. Also, what's happening at the moment is that thanks in large part to the work of campaigners such as the Windrush Against Sewage Pollution, the Environment Agency has launched what it calls the country's largest ever investigation into environmental crime involving all the water companies. It examines whether they've been knowingly and deliberately breaking the law. However, we're going to wait a long time before we know the result of that investigation. In the meantime, if you'd like to watch a documentary or read any of our articles on this issue, please go to endsreport.com forward slash seven, where you'll find more on this than you could ever possibly need. Thank you for listening. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to the Eco Chamber and we'll be back with a regular episode next week.